Maybe I need one now. The oh, Porg you... Adventures. Jeez. You definitely need a Porg. You gotta have at least one Porg in your life. <laughs> There's a social phenomenon happening where you don't think you need a Porg, and then you look on social media and you're like, my God, I don't have a Porg. <laughs> I am John, Wookiee impersonator and a Ladrin warlock with the Warriors of the Stars. Along came Jason, my bearded friend. Fabulous secret ideas revealed to me the day he came to my house and said, I want to make a podcast! Only two others share this secret. I am Chris Visions. I like walks on the beach, sunsets, poodles. What's up, everybody? Morphin time. Hi, I'm Rick Remender. I love games. I love video games. Uh, and Emerald City Comic Con! Hi, I'm Christopher Sabella. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano. Brom, the artist. Hey, everybody, how are you doing? Robbie Amell! What's up, guys? It's Autumn Lands, Tooth and Claw. I've been digging it. I'm very glad you like it. Way to go, John. <laughs> hey, you know, we're on the fly. <laughs> Today, I have special guest, Mike Selinker. You do indeed. We're working on Black Science. Nolan North! Uh, you know, great cosplayers, great fans. Todd Knocky, Amazing Spider-Man and Silk, Infinite Comic. Matt Jet City! Bob McCloud, creator of the New Mutants. I've been working for Marvel and DC Comics for the last 40 years. Brian Herbert! About a year ago, I got a, a Twitter site. I couldn't get my own name. Somebody took my name. <laughs> The name oh, of the game Gravis is Gravisar, <laughs> and uh, we're actually Studio Emma. I'm at Geek Girl Con with Stephen Pooh. Robin Hobb is here. Working on a trilogy called The Fitz and the Fool. Yeah, um, I'm Phoenix Jones. I'm the leader of the Rain City Superhero Movement. Hey, my name's Claire, and I've been running Geek Star Costuming. Hey, hi, well, I'm Katie of Katie Clark Art. And we have special guest, Gus Lopez. Oh, hey, guys, I'm thrilled to be on. So, Rebecca, tell us what you've been working on lately. As always, my little vampire's webcomic. Hi, I'm Dennis, the rapper. So I'm Kazuo Maeda. I'm the uh, Imigo Softworks partner. Livio Raimondelli. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm a big Transformers fan, G1 fan myself. Together we started talking about toys, comics, games, and movies on the Super Awesome Geek Show! Hello everybody and welcome to another super exciting Super Awesome Geek Show episode. I'm John, your host, the Vintage Geek. And Christina's here with us today. Say hello. Hello. What's been going on, Christina? Uh, nothing. Just, you know, back to the grind and uh, watching all the uh, Houston storms. And um, that's about it. Uh, yeah, that's it. Nothing exciting. Right. How's Texas, though? I mean, are you guys kind of feeling okay now? Or you still got a lot of people around and, and discombobulated? Um, it's mostly Houston and so, but my area here, um, everybody decided to freak out saying that there was a gasoline shortage. And so everybody and their mother and their five other cars, you know, and RVs probably and motorcycles and, you know, sea dews, whatever, uh, probably went to the gas stations and filled up on everything. And so any gas station you pass, uh, no gas, no gas, no gas, no gas. And you're just like, people freaked out over nothing. It's just because the tankers were coming here later through Houston because, hello, Houston's flooded. So 
Yeah. There was a mass freak out that there would be no gas. And so now there is no gas because everybody freaked out. <laughs> well, I feel bad for everybody. So I'm sorry that you have no gas and I hope everyone stays safe. Whoever did get flooded out. And I wish. Yeah, there, well. I think they're, they're, they're slowly uh, sending relief and aid and they've unfortunately have to wait for the waters to recede. So. Yeah. Well, let's bring it around to a positive note. Yes. Christina, I've got something really cool for us today. Yay. We have Annalise from the Star Wars documentary, Looking for Leia. Say Yay. Hello. Go ahead, hey. say hello. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you both? Oh, I'm, I'm super excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about this. It's called Looking for Leia, right? That's right. Yep. So I'm working on this documentary, Looking for Leia, which examines the phenomenon of women in Star Wars fandom. So I'm spending the year traveling around the United States, talking with girls and women from all different walks of life, uh, all different generational sort of entry points about what they love about the galaxy far, far away. And while we're at it, I think getting a really robust and um, interesting look at all the different ways that 40 years of Star Wars fandom has sort of shown up in fandoms it's a it's a unique um it's a unique geekdom and it's been really amazing getting to talk with folks it sounds so great and i i loved the uh -huh. um the little thing that you had on kickstarter with the it was on kickstarter right that i saw the video yeah. And it was and it was talking with a few people at conventions, I assume, right? We filmed that one at Celebration this last April. So okay, that great. was a yeah. Yeah, I just loved it. And I loved people hearing regular folks' stories on how they came into Star Wars, how they're a fan of Star Wars, and how this representation, especially in recent years, affected them. You know, so not only Princess Leia being a badass when she was back in the early days. And then additionally having Jin and, and uh, Ray and all these other great characters like Hera is amazing. Sabine. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it's just so cool listening to all these people's stories and it really like, I don't know, it really touched me in a way. And that's why I reached out to you. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I love hearing people's Star Wars stories. And I think anyone who's been certainly to a convention or a celebration knows the phenomenon where you get to just suddenly like meet a stranger and talk with them about Star Wars for seven hours in line or something like that. Right. Star Wars fans have a lot to say. Yeah. And so it's nice being able to kind of collect some of those stories in one place. So, yeah, speaking of that, like, so how did you get started? Did you just... I mean, come up with this when you're at a convention? Like, what did it, what did it, where did, how did it pop into your mind? Well, I, so I'm a documentary filmmaker. That is a thing that I do, you know, sort of in general. My wheelhouse tends to be in um, LGBT educational and social justice documentaries. And while I was in production on my last feature, I also went to the 2015 celebration in Anaheim. Um, I'd been to a bunch of cons uh, at that point, but had never been to a celebration before. And Star Wars was definitely my entry point fandom and has always been, you know, kind of like my bedrock in geekdom. Um, and went to that, went to celebration, went to that con, kind of prepared for what I often experience at cons, which is being a, you know, kind of a drift in a sea of men <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and having there be kind of like really particular and intense gender dynamics, which are an amplification of what we kind of deal with in the world anyway. So it's, it's, you know, it's not necessarily like shocking, but it's always there and found myself really surprised by how many women were there and how robust 
robust women's fandom was and realized that I had been a sort of island unto myself, um, not connecting with other women in Star Wars fandom, but it had for me often felt like this sort of part of myself that didn't really have community so much as it was experienced within myself and with like, you know, my, my younger brother who I went to that celebration with, who was my like first Star Wars friend. And <laughs> it made me very curious about women's experiences in fandom and geekdom. And so I, um, as I was wrapping up the last feature, just started daydreaming a bit about what it might be like to do what I'd like to kind of call a, a sort of gender justice project that's in a really joyous package. Um, a lot of my work has been historically, you know, pretty heavy. And the last, the last piece was pretty um, emotionally exhausting. You know, it was great on me. And I was like, I, if I'm going to continue making films, I'm going to have to do something that's like a piece of candy. Sure. Um, and so the original concept was that I was going to road trip around the United States talking with women and amass enough footage to be able to show to Carrie Fisher's folks. And I felt fairly sure that if I had enough really cool interview material, she would agree to sit down and talk with me on camera. And that's kind of where the looking for Leia was going to be kind of a quest to see how folks connected more specifically to her and her character. Oh, cool. Um, and when she passed in December, um, I had at that point already, you know, sort of like done a treatment and started sort of initial searches for funding. And it just felt like it knocked the legs right out of the project. Um, and it was my partner, actually, who, who said, nah, you, you actually, you know, at that point, I'd, I'd had tickets for the Orlando celebration since the day they had gone on sale. And, and my partner was like, you, you need to go to Orlando. This is actually a, a really important time to work on this project. And at that point, I got to sort of open it up beyond just the Leia character to really make it more of an examination of women in geekdom, women in fandom for Star Wars in particular. Um, and so that, that was the kind of like path that the, that the project took. Yeah. I mean, I actually agree with him because I think the name, you know, Myself hearing about it after her passing, I think the name actually strikes you even more so. Mm. You, you know what I'm getting at? I, I feel like she was such a touchstone for so many folks. And in a lot of ways, when I hear about how intensely people experienced her passing, and we got a lot of that last year, right? A lot of really significant um, sort of cultural and artistic icons passed last year. Yes, and yeah. so we were in a kind of collective state of cultural grief, I think, like right from the beginning of the year with David Bowie, like all the way through yeah. the end of the year. But, you know, we experienced those losses that deeply, I think, because those, um, those performers, those creators hold such significant parts of our own identity and, and development with them. And I, yeah. I do feel like a lot of folks that I'm talking with actually came to understand how significant their fandom was to them after her passing because they didn't expect to be so devastated by her loss. Yeah. And, I, and it, I, it was this way. Yes. I, I was the same way when the day I heard about it and I was like, at first it hit me like, no. And then like, I had to go to lunch with people and I'm just sitting in the restaurant and I'm crying and I'm just trying not to cry. And then I start thinking about all the films and the one to come. And I'm just, I start crying more and I excuse myself to the bathroom and I mm. had to go in the bathroom and sob. Just like, it was like a slow wave that moved of, you know, you know, that, you know, the actors and such are getting older you know hello Harrison Ford was older you know you know mm. um and everything all of them were looking older and you're just like I'm just you know when the um 
Force Awakens came out, I was just like, I'm so glad they're all still here to be in this one, you know, and then mm. and then she passes and you're just like, you know, it hit. And then I was I basically did a binge of the movies mm. <laughs> and I like and when I got back around to the Force Awakens, I sat there and I cried all over again. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm pretty sure I will cry during the Last Jedi because she's in there as well. So it's just like, ah. Oh. Well, yeah, I don't and, even and know I'm going to make it through that. I don't even know how I'm going to make it through that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's going to be tough, and then you know that they're going to dedicate it to her, and that's just going to be really moving when they mm. when they when they put that up on the screen. I think. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I mean, I think so many of us had that like sobbing in the bathroom experience. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I honestly like I could do you know probably like a significant like kind of character piece just on like what was your experience of crying in a bathroom like after Carrie Fisher passed uh, because that was <laughs> right. it for so many of us. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think we lost Kenny Baker the same year, right? Yeah, we did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was a big hit for me because he was the first one, the first Star Wars actor I ever met. Uh, yeah, so I had a fond memory of both him and Carrie, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, th- I wanted to say, though, I think that your experience with L.A., uh, Anaheim celebration, parallels Christina and I. If I, if I believe, yes. if I remember correctly, that was your first, and it was my first as well. It, it was mm. my first, yeah. <laughs> I was so excited to be there, like like John said. I, I was following him on Twitter then, and I'm like, they're here, but where are they? You know, <laughs> But yeah, just standing in line and like you said, you know, when you talked about the geekdom and fandom, standing in line and talking to random strangers about the same topic. Mm. You're all there for the same thing. You know, I talked to this girl and this guy that worked for LucasArts that were just happened to be standing behind me, you know, um, waiting for a pop figure that we never got. Um, (laughs) But we were just standing in line chatting away and then to talking to this other dude in line for a shirt that I literally waited four hours for. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but sitting there talking him and the people across from us and behind and we're all like sharing snacks because we're starving. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it, we're talking about the movie and did you see this? And some of them went to panels and they were talking about that and you know, you're just sitting there and you're like, these are people I'll never see again, but you feel like you're talking to them like they're relatives or best friends or something yeah. like that because you all care so much. And you know, someone's like, I want to get an item over there. Will you save my place? Well, yeah, sure. Because we'd already been there two hours. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. you know, it didn't become a, no, I'm going to steal your spot. You know, if people were just kind, compassionate mm. over the same thing. Mm. Yeah. You know, it is, you walk away with this, like, incredible sense of what a shared language does for a group. Um, and that Anaheim celebration was really splendid as well, because, you know, it was the it was the pre-Force Awakens celebration. I've gotten to talk with women who've been to, like, every U.S. celebration, have been to, like, many, many celebrations. I love hearing the stories that had such a DIY spirit and you yeah. know those of us who kind of went through the the comic-con crowd yes. level of Orlando where it's like ah this is no longer <laughs> this kind of <laughs> small quaint thing like the thing that was kind of being a little geeky and maybe a little bit of an outsider like through the 80s and 90s is now actually the thing yeah <laughs> so like 85,000 other people will be there as well and so that's that's a little bit of an adjustment, but it's great. Well, and, great to see well, and 
And when you say that, I went to the Dallas um, Fan Expo, which used to be called the Dallas um, Comic-Con. I've been to the Comic-Con in San Diego like seven plus years ago. Um, I went to the Dallas Fan Expo. It's not as large as Comic-Con and I believe wasn't as large as Celebration in Anaheim. But predominantly, I would say if you gathered all the people dressed in Star Wars cosplay... Uh, that was more than half. Wow. <laughs> wow. And you're just like, and, and I went to talk to, man, and as it gets later in the evening, names go away. But I went to talk to an actor from Buffy and uh, James Marston. Yeah. And, um, see, I told you it would come. And I'm dressed as Ray. And I have a BB-8 backpack on. And, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> yes. And... And it, it's so funny because I walk up to him and he goes, that is awesome. And I said, thanks. And he said, thank you for dressing up. He goes, because that is so cool. And then I told him I dressed as a stormtrooper in a dress uh, for Kamikaze Con in L.A. Mm. And he goes, <laughs> he, he used an expletive and goes, yes. <laughs> you know, Spike. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he like, and he hugged me, took a picture with him. I'm just sitting there going, I just had a conversation with Spike. I love, you know? that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but it's like they appreciate the Star Wars fandom, even though you were there for his fandom, dressed as Star Wars fan. You know what I mean? Like it was all. It's so great, right? I was actually, because Dragon Con is happening as we're recording this, and one of the women who um, shows up in the trailer that we've got on our website um, had this uh, amazing picture on her Twitter in her Hut Slayer um, Leia bikini with Gates McFadden (laughs) holding her chain, and I, I just lost it. Like, I fell out of my chair. It was like all... All of the wonderful things have just come together. That's <laughs> this, awesome, right? In this one place, and it's yeah, it's, I love seeing the um, the the kind of shared support among geeks. But then again, Star Wars is such a wonderfully common language in geekdom that um, well, we did. I say that, and you know, in Boston just last week, we had a um, a producer, a location producer, on set who had never seen a Star Wars film. And I, you know, it was all I could do to keep from just whipping the camera around because I'm compelled by people who've not ever seen Star Wars. And the first thing I want to do is ask them to sit down and tell me the story of Star Wars. Because, of course, we're so steeped in it culturally that everyone who hasn't seen it tells a really awesomely entertaining version of it. (laughs) Because there's (laughs) there's enough, like, just, I think, in the, you know, in, in in the culture to be able to, you know the characters, you know the basic plot points. But then often, like, hilarity ensues and folks will get things odd <laughs> oddly <laughs> oddly off um but yeah it's uh it's wonderful when you can have that that shared experience and then of course celebration was so unique because i wanted to go to every single thing like usually oh, at a con yeah. i'm like ah these are the things i'm interested in and here's all the rest of my time to just like you know shop or nap or whatever but at celebration you, you're just trying to not like you know gnaw your fist because you want to go to every single thing that's happening yeah. or i do I felt the same way because a lot of times I will skip the video game kind of content and other stuff. But at Celebration, you're like, no, I want to see if they actually made a thing look like you're in the Star Wars universe. And then Battlefront, they did. <laughs> a great example. The Anaheim panel. I went to with my brother who like is a gamer. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I want to go to the Battlefront panel. I was like, absolutely. Like, let's go do that without any 
notion or a particular interest. Like games are just not a, I don't, my, my geek heart is not punched down on mm-hmm. that topic. Um, and I was, you know, standing on my seat, whooping and yelling and, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's infectious. Like you're in this room full of hundreds of people who are all so excited about the thing and it's impossible to not also be excited about the thing. Um, and now Battlefront 2, I mean, the, 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 the female TIE fighter pilot is the yeah. main character yeah. in, the, in the single player. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. But I will the, have to- I have to say that as much as I love Star Wars, I suck at Battlefront. <laughs> it's okay. I start I was... playing it and I'm all, let me just sit here and fight Vader this whole time or be Vader oh, yeah. and force choke people, you know, because oh, yeah. if it's a mission, I'm just not going to do well. It's just going to frustrate me. So I, I think I played one round as Vader and I was walking around just force choking people going, this is fun. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm 44 years old. And I did not play video games as a young person. So that, that skill set has passed me by. Like, <laughs> I, I do not have the neuroplasticity to learn that kind of hand-eye coordination. And when, when the first Battlefront came out, my best friend, who actually works for a video game company here in San Francisco, um, and has, you know, the, the consoles. I'm from, Atari, I'm from the land of Atari. The yeah. thing you put the video game in, he has that. And so I was like, hey, you need to get some Battlefront, because I don't have any way of playing this and I don't think it's prudent for me to purchase a video game console <laughs> or whatever one game play, right yeah for the one game that I doubt I can play and so you get it and then I'm going to come over to your house with like you know a bottle of wine and like figure out if this is a thing that I can spend some time doing and sure enough I spent 45 minutes just kind of like banging my little Boba Fett head against the same snowbank. <laughs> how does this fangled thing work like completely incapable of doing anything Finished the wine, went home, happy, happily saved like whatever four hundred dollars I would have spent trying to set myself up. <laughs> but the good thing is, you can always go back and just watch them play. Oh yeah, no, it was fun watching him play, and the the force choking. Like I was good when I could be the Emperor or Vader, but it was I like I was really just sort of smooshing the buttons. I was like, I don't even understand what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm grabbing this thing like a kind of angry grandma, and then. <laughs> And then things are happening on the screen that look really cool. I'm not convinced it's because of me. Maybe it's on demo mode, but I'm having fun. <laughs> oh, there's lightning coming out of my hands. That works. Great, right? I, like, I don't even know what button made that happen, but yes, let's let's see if we can make that happen again. <laughs> so I gotta ask, you know, um, I'm 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 pretty sure I know the answer to this one, but who? So who is your favorite female character of Star Wars? Oh, it's so challenging. So I have learned. I'm gonna totally like cheat this answer in the way that people cheat it with me. I sure. not ask folks the favorite because it's so it's hard, right? Right. Like I mean, Leia is certainly you know, like as a person who saw Star Wars in 1977 and was like this young. I was a child when it came out, and Leia defined my childhood. Um, it's, she will always have this like incredibly significant That's awesome. place for me, but I'm, you know, I'm mad about Ray. I think Ray is spectacular. Like there was actually so much about like kind of Luke's goodness that I feel like they infused in Ray's character. Like if you think about these characters as tropes or stand-ins for, um, significant significant themes and mythologies in our lives. I feel like Ray is the thing we all aspire to be, or at least Force Awakens Ray. Like, who knows where things go? Yeah. Um, but also, I'm a huge Clone Wars and Rebels fan. Oh my gosh, yes. And so, you know, like, I love Asajj Ventress. I love Hera. Oh. I love Sabine. I love the Sisters arc in general. Huge Mother Talzin fan. 
um, love Aura Singh, like all of the bounty hunters, right, in general. Um, I think that like the Clone Wars Padme is a really compelling and wonderful character. Love Mon Mothma. Love, you know, I, I have grown to love Ahsoka Tano. I was definitely one of those that was like, eh. right, yeah, me um, too. But now, like, you know, kind of especially like Rebels Fulcrum Ahsoka. Oh, yes. So much goodness there. Um, I can't uh, believe how much I fell in love with Hera. Uh, I, I just totally adore this character. It's a fantastic person. She's amazing. So one of the things I'm doing for the film, um, and I, I really like it's for it's for art right, is I'm doing a little participant observation because I've never really cosplayed and I'm talking to a ton of cosplayers and doing, and, you know, and talking with anthropologists who are talking about the sort of like identity formation through costuming and cosplay. So when we were in New York last week, um, Alexina Duncan, who is an exquisite professional costumier and like really kind of, I think, one of like the peak heras in costuming, came to New York to interview and um, a part of the the film is that we've commissioned her to create a Hera for me and I'm going to actually go out and like, you know, try on what it's like to interact with folks in, in a, in a cosplay, like in a character. And so I I got to, I got, you know, so I got to put the Laku on in New York last week and, um, and it was so spectacular. It was really, really exciting. But what was great as well as we were talking as she was, you know, we were doing like a fitting for the sort of mid, um, like a midpoint fitting for the for the flight suit, and we were talking about what we each loved about Hera, and we each loved a thing about Hera that was really specific to us and was a complete projection. So she loved that for her, Hera was clearly in her clearly in her twenties, and kind of a mess, and really working on just like balancing her sense of priority and her sort of like work relationship priorities. Whereas I love Hera because as a woman in my 40s, I really relate to her as clearly being a woman of like an older woman (laughs) (laughs) who is like, you know, got a kind of caretaking like leadership position. And it's her job to, you know, be the producer, to be the person to kind of like hold everything together and benevolently, but, you know, firmly lead this project to completion. So we each were describing two entirely different things. (laughs) And I I love (laughs) you say that. And yeah, I knew that about her. But. Um, <coughs> sorry, there's something stuck in my throat. There's a piece where she's, what is it? She, I forgot which episodes there were where she was trying to please her father mm. and her father disagreed with what she was doing. Mm. Um, you know, like they didn't think she could handle it. I forgot, I can't describe no, it. I, I think I know what you mean. Where, where her father kind of wanted her to stay on the planet right. with the family, but right. she felt that she needed to go out and bring well, the it's also that Cham Sindula, her father, had like yeah. a radically different way of achieving right. his ends his a- end, than Hera did, right? And yeah, and then, yes, and then she showed him that her way works as well. Right. And I resonated with that part of her. Definitely. So, so it's like, I think, I think all the characters, her, uh, Leia, um, Ray, I mean, even Jin, you know, I think everybody is going to everybody can find a piece of themselves or, you know, not everybody necessarily, but, you know, women, men too, you know, um, a piece of themselves in those characters, you know, a piece of their lives. It's like, it it, it takes place in, you know, in the universe and space and everything. But here on earth where we cannot even fathom any of that, we find part of ourselves. And yeah. I, I, that's what I think is amazing because, 
you know, you can totally understand. It's not like they're unrelatable characters. That's what's so amazing about the Star Wars universe is that you find a relatable character in any piece. Totally. Totally. Well, and it's one of the things, again, that I love talking with women about, um, that there's a lot of, that the women were a way of kind of indicating you're welcome here, that we're going to have, like, like women will show up in these stories in one way or another in a manner that has agency and self-determination, which is, you know, a really critical piece of mirroring for audience. Mm -hmm. But um, the number of women who are like, no, no, like, it's Chewie's my man, or it's, I'm (laughs) I'm, like, really Luke identified, like, I myself am really Han identified, like, Han is my kind of character through the original trilogy um and and so like i look forward to this next generation and i'm seeing it happen where boys are getting to grow up freed from the really rigid gender socialization that makes them only permitted to relate to female characters um and you know like i see it in that sort of like you know boys who just want the wonder woman um, the <laughs> yeah. action figure where they're just like, no, no, this is the this is the badass character. This is the character I want to play as, and I, it's really exciting to think about um, the opportunities I think that this next generation is going to have in terms of being inspired by heroism. Um, yes, yeah. well, stuff there. I wanted to bring up earlier about Ray when you were talking, um, and, it, and this is a good point here as well. But uh, like I find my identifying point with Ray is her sense of wonder. Mm. Like when she when when they take her off the desert world, when Han and, and, and or well, I guess Finn sort of took her off. But when Han Solo brings her to Takodana mm. and she's like, I've never seen this much green. Mm-hmm. As soon as they land the, the ship, she runs out of that door. Yeah. And her the look on her face. I mean, Daisy Ridley captured it perfectly. It's just a sense of awe and wonder at this new land that she's discovered, you yeah, know? Yeah. And in my life, I I feel like a lot of the sense of wonder has disappeared, mm. you know, because I've been through so much in my life. I'm also 44. It's kind of funny that we were probably born in the same year. Yep. And uh, 73. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of my new, my sense of wonder comes from grasping that in other people and especially in children or people who haven't seen these things it's like i can live a little bit vicariously through them and remember my own sense of wonder Mm. as i see them wonder and and have the excitement about this new thing that they've discovered you know yeah yeah well you get what i I mean i do though and i mean (laughs) it's what the genres of fantasy and science fiction are kind of there for on on such a level right like it's this canvas upon which we're um free to imagine and experience wonder and awe and also allegory and all of this goodness that I love that scene that you're describing. I got chills actually, just like hearing you retell it, like remember (laughs) watching it. And Daisy Ridley is just such an exquisite actor and the performance was so affecting in that. Um, But it's, you know, like part of really good story is this ability to resonate on these themes that are, incredibly universal um, and in many ways like cross-cultural and and not even profoundly generationally specific. It's one of the things I actually love about Star Wars not being futurist, not being science fiction. Um, and there's something really compelling for me about this sort of like historical space fantasy. Yeah. Right. Frees you up from like all of the, you know, I do think futurism has a different kind of 
assemblage point and a different onus of responsibility in a way, or we're, we consume it differently because we're imagining future possibilities versus like sort of historic fantasy, which really is just this invitation. I mean, I think of this and I think of Game of Thrones, right? This is like invitation to just like really let go of the things that bind you to the material world and, um, and experience that kind of awe and wonder. When something has the capacity to actually like make me forget that I'm sitting in a movie theater and make me really feel like I am in this universe, in this world. Yeah, well, I think that that stands for I think that comes from the writer or the guy who came up with the the person who came up with the world idea that this that this universe is set in. Like you said, Game of Thrones. And I, I always think of like Tolkien's world and mm-hmm. again, Star Wars, like the the difference between those three and some of the other fantasy or science fiction kind of things is just that they've developed an entirely new and innovative, original, like complete uh, set of rules and world. You know what I mean? It's amazing to me. And like, I am so not a fictionalist, right? This is, I never feel like a documentarian, like a non-fictionalist, right? Like, and I've I've got a hard (laughs) science degree. My background is really in like, you know, sort of applied research. So I'm, I'm very about the sort of like, what is the, what is, what are ways of telling a story that is, that is present and occurring. And I would never dream to say that I would be able to create any of this, but like a good piece of world building, it always just blows my mind. Um, And I think about like authors like Octavia Butler, and I think about like Charlie Jane Anders and like all the birds in the sky and these ways where you're just like, damn, you have made a world. But in The Force Awakens, when Rey, um, when we were first introduced to Rey and she's scavenging and she gets her portions and goes back to the like wreckage of her AT-AT and makes the portion bread. And I was like, that is a fine piece of world building because we don't see people eat aside from Luke for like a brief moment on Dagobah. Right. But there's just yeah. not a sense of like, okay, this is a fundamental survival-based behavior that all of these creatures must do at some point. We never see it in the in the films. Conceit of how food happens. Yeah. <laughs> I was well, just we, like, go, JJ. I see that. And I, we, I we did see Jabba the Hutt eat a frog. It's true, actually. It's <laughs> right. <true. laughs> we've got like we've got Luke's kind of weird date role <laughs> on Dagobah. Or is that that blue milk stuff? Oh, or... yeah, we have blue milk. Absolutely. No, blue yeah. milk is not to be. It's right, but look at how look how huge blue milk is. I know. Because, yeah, so it's blue milk and whatever the kind of bok choy in the thing that looks like what they end up powering the DeLorean with once <laughs> once the doc manages to like actually get the the um non-nuclear um yeah yeah fuel cells going on is that it seems, but clearly I clearly key into food <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> and fantasy I'm like well you know and now that you say that it didn't hit me it's like well yeah you really never see the meat mm-hmm. except um force uh, force awakens in the um, when they're all sitting around the table. But at Maz Canadas, they've got the yes. like, best composite fruit. That's ever, right. Yeah. Which was really like, play this fruit, right? Because it's like a dragon fruit with some of that like kind of freaky broccoli in it. And they've like sculpted <laughs> exactly. this immaculate piece of fruit, right? And of course, I'm like trying to pay attention to this whole scene, but I'm just like, there's food on screen in Star Wars. So like, I'm totally mesmerized. And also, <laughs> yeah, like, well, how did they make that? It's, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Anakin uh, forced loaded a piece of fruit over to Padme once, right? Yeah. Right. 
Right. But yeah, are yeah. we really considering the prequels? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things that happen when you again get people of a certain age all talking about Star Wars. <laughs> hey, I'm not that much younger than you guys, only by a couple of years. So that's why I say, like, I so again, one of the things I'm loving about working on this project is getting to talk with um, folks whose generational entry point was the prequels. And the like robustness and magic and love with which those they have that they have for those stories is the same as I have for the original trilogy. Yeah. You sat me down with the original trilogy today without having ever experienced anything of it. I'd probably, I mean, I know I wouldn't tap into it in the way that I did as a child. Right. Um, they're all, you know, George Lucas himself has said these movies are for children and there's a reason why they resonate in really particular ways with folks who are at those developmental stages when they see that this is this is the psychologist in me speaking but yeah but i get it so i'm it is okay for us to not enjoy the prequels it is also great for folks who love them um i was getting to talk with the women from sky talkers podcast in boston last weekend and as i'm interviewing them they had this mug sitting on the on the kind of like star wars shelf behind them that's um that says prequel hater tears <laughs> <laughs> to be my favorite piece of like ceramics ever um and it's you know and it's, i love the story of the prequels and and yeah every every few years i think i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna watch them one of the women that I'm, i've interviewed actually had this incredibly creative workaround because she loves them but recognizes their like inherent limitations so she watches them dubbed into french oh d so then it just seems like they got kind of bad subtitles. Like it's, a, it's a bad English subtitling, but the voice acting is How like, do you dub Jar Jar into French, man? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, it's I. she said that one's still a little problematic. <laughs> like, I, wonder, yeah. I wonder if he's just like, oh, ho, ho, misa got a nice of fruit. <laughs> I don't know. Why? What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, there was, there've always people come through and do edits of those. Um there were the anti-cheese versions that happened a few years ago where they kind of trimmed 20 minutes out of each of them and basically cut Jar Jar out entirely. Um, pitch shifted Natalie Portman's voice and played the Nemoidian dialogue backwards and subtitled it. So it became alien dialect instead of, again, a kind of like culturally offensive accent. Oh, wow. Um, I love seeing what people do with that on a, on a filmmaking and editorial level. I'm like, go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I forgot, you know, cut out all this you know, sped forward. Here's a boy. Here's he's go. He's grown. Here's what happened. He, look, he turned into Darth Vader. <laughs> you know, it's like the prequels. How if the prequels can be titled "How Vader Came to Be." You know, <laughs> you know. What, but what? Wait, wait. Are you saying Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader? Spoiler. <laughs> ah! <laughs> then, then my next joke was, and I think I was joking with John mostly about it, but you know. um, the Death Star came about because it's all Jar Jar's fault. Right. No, so Jar Jar needed to be there. It was all his fault. Yeah. I mean, you know, Palpatine. Palpatine is basically Jar Jar's fault. Yeah. Exactly. Right? He cast he cast one of the deciding votes in the Senate or he like promote he Started puts him out there. Thing, yeah, right? it's all yeah. poor Jar Jar. Poor Jar Jar. There was there was the thing they were trying to do there. I you know. Yeah. I, I respect it. I don't want to. I don't want to watch it, but I respect it. <laughs> I do. I do want to say though. I think it is good to go back every. I mean, maybe you can do it every five years or so. But in recent years, just the last two, maybe, um, at least the last two films, 
the uh, so it was Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. have really grown on me, and I it shocked me, it surprised me even because of how much I I hadn't watched them probably for ten years after they after seeing them in the theaters, you know, and each movie as the prequels came out, I saw less and less in the theaters, you know, had to go see them at least once, but right, right. You know, didn't didn't do a lot of the repeats like when. Force Awakens came out. I was blown away and went twenty three times. You know, nice. <laughs> and nice. Uh, and that was actually once I got up there into the teens, I was like, well, I might as well go twenty three because that's a nod back to my mom, who was patient enough as a child to take me to see the original Star Wars twenty three times. Brilliant. I did the same thing, not with twenty three, but I had to match my A New Hope um, tally. I was like, well, I saw it 10 times in one summer. And so I was like, well, I at least see it 10 times. I got to at least get that amount just to, like, you know, pay it proper respect. My, <laughs> right. And here's my goal, and it's going to be a oh moment, is to see if not this next one, then then one after with uh, – Everybody from the from the Geek Show. I want to go opening night with everybody. It'd be epic because I don't know. I just think it would. I I would really love that. You know. So again, I'm, sh- a, I'm shooting a for phenomenon it. that happens when you're sitting in a room full of people and you're all there for the same thing. And um, yeah, and I and I love that. I love the um, the the sort of social portion of like fandom in general but I do think there's something particularly sort of gleeful around Star Wars fandom it's a it's a unique kind of fandom and um yeah it's I I share that so this whole year as we've been filming I've basically been at we're not doing a ton of conventions conventions are actually brutal to film at Um, (laughs) but the, the conventions I have been filming at I am in no way like I'm following the convention on Twitter while I'm waiting for people to be able to kind of meet with us and talk because I'm not at the convention. I'm like lugging around like a ton of gear. My partner and I are like basically a two person version of Bert and Mary Poppins and the opening <laughs> sequence where it's like, I've got like everything strapped to my back and the, you know, kind of harmonica and the kick drum and the cymbals, like doing all of this stuff ourselves. Um, and I don't actually get to attend anything. If I yeah, can that's how it works. the hall once, that'll be great. But yeah, that's it. So as we're planning our kind of, um, one of the things that we're we're planning on covering is the liningup.net charitable line that happens at the Grauman's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. So we're we're filming there and talking with the folks who since the prequel era have been lining up um and they benefit the Starlight Children's Fund. Um yeah. And so it's a it's a seven day line and folks are, you know, there for that full seven days. Um, again, a hat tip to the folks who camped out for like six months before the before the prequels. Um, but I've, I've made it really clear that like we're going to film for this whole week and kind of pick up our last L.A. interviews as well. And then I will be seeing The Last Jedi on opening night. Right. Like it's, it's just like you. So get get the team together to go and do it. Start planning now. It is so worth it, especially when you're, you know, your kind of creative work and passion is Star Wars to get to go and actually partake in the Star Wars as well. Yeah, I almost I almost can go. I, I have the option. I received the email um, with the uh, thing to get the tickets if I want them because I was an extra in the film when I lived in Seattle. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, but I just. It, I thought originally when I first heard about this that you could even as an extra you could be invited to the one of the premieres, mm-hmm. but um because I guess they do it a couple times I didn't know that, but because they can't fit everybody in the theater I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, who would want to go you know and um, so 
but I thought that like a lot of it was paid for, but they only give you the ticket, I guess. Oh so yeah. You can fly there yourself. So I had to right say it's now, an extra. Like, I yeah. have no money at all. So I'm like, I, I can't go. There's Patreon or something. Come on. Right? Now. Yeah. People send, send him. I'll do, I'll do a GoFundMe. Send John, send John to the Star Wars premiere. I'm serious. You've got to be able to do that. If you've got, if you've got access to a ticket to it, getting out there and getting like, you know, a motel sex for the night or finding some fine listener who would like to like, put you up in a guest bedroom um maybe that'll this, work yeah i'm telling you hustle for that that, that that's <laughs> too awesome to to not take up and then my seat will be cut i'm sure i'll be like well i wasn't in it because oh <laughs> i have no idea who i am but um i just know the robe that i had on and i know the movements they had me do oh, but awesome. i have they didn't say a word about what we were actually doing or what scene we were in or what our purpose was because it was all in front of a green screen and a blue screen. They had both in the oh, same room. Awesome. So um, I I think that, well, I, I shouldn't even say anything because they've already. I, I was yeah. going to say, you have to have signed like an <laughs> yes. ironclad NDA. Don't do it, John. Don't a giant it. brick. <laughs> it's a giant brick. It's not like other. Fil- I had been in two or three other films as extras. And mm-hmm. usually it's one piece of paper. But for Star Wars, there was a lot to sign. <laughs> That's it. No, I, I would. I, I, yeah. <laughs> respect that NDA. We're going to find out soon enough. That's right. True. Like, like end of December, months. do the podcast and describe everything about being an extra. Oh, yeah. The guys are going to really uh, drill me on it. So. <clears throat> yeah, that's great. That's but great. Um, I'm just crazy excited about your documentary. I think this is an amazing idea. Um, me too. Where, so there. The Kickstarter is done, but people can still donate and help. Oh, with they this, can. Right? Absolutely. So if folks go to lookingforleia.com, um, there is a support page there. And there are some different ways that folks can certainly support us. Our Kickstarter was wonderfully successful. And we had um, like 440 folks like pitch oh, yeah. in on the project, which was great. It also represented about a fifth of our production budget. And we're not an, uh, we're not an affiliate. We're not like a, a sponsored project. We're not working with mouse money. Um, <laughs> so we're very much like a... an independent project with a lot of travel and production costs and that's not even getting to our post-production costs where we've got art and music and all sorts of stuff so if folks uh, are in the mood to be able to support us they can do that we were talking about porgs before we started and (laughs) i i one of one of the things i i do for like you know self-soothing in between um logging huge amounts of footage and traveling all over the country talking to Star Wars fans as I do lino cuts. And so we've got, I've got like a small number of um, Lothcat and Porg lino cuts. The Porg <laughs> lino cuts say, may the Porg be with you in Arabesh on them. Thank you very much. Nice. Um, and I think we've got it set up that if folks like give a donation of $50 or more, I'll totally send you a Porg or Lothcat lino cut and, um, and some, some other little stickery postcardy swag goodies from the production because we're just so grateful for for any ways that folks feel like they'd like to get hands on deck. And then certainly post-production artists, um, particularly motion graphic artists, animators, folks that would like to be able to get some art in the project and help out in any way um, are always welcome to contact us as well. We've got a reach out page on the on the site and you can let us know what, you're, what, you, what you've got to offer and how you'd like to get involved. And um, it's a very community-based project. It's been amazing to get to, to connect again with the folks that we have connected with. Yeah, that's really cool that you're, I mean, if anyone does have the skills that, that you could 
use that they can, that you're willing to accept them and have them help out in any way that they can. Oh God, it's great. A complete godsend. Um, I do try to really have as many women working on my crews as I can. You know, film is a really male dominated field. Um, and it is a challenging thing, particularly for like grip and electric for folks that are, you know, handling lights and cameras and sound and things, um, to, be able to get that experience without being often the only woman on a crew. My crews are almost always women, entirely women. That's um, cool. We're like That's the awesome. opening of we're like the opening of Wonder Woman, but like especially <laughs> with pants. That's <laughs> fighting, to be completely honest. But um, we, yeah, we've been able to like connect with folks who've been second camera operators and like second units. Definitely looking for women who've got um, shooter director experience who would like to head up second units in cities we can't get to. So it's a uh, any any signal boosting around that that folks feel like doing is always great. That's cool. And speaking of Wonder Woman, did you did you? I don't know if you've seen any of the um, documentaries or the little uh, what do they call it the um, extras that come with the Blu-ray and the, yeah, I think it even comes with the uh, digital copies. At least I got it on Vudu. But I was amazed how many women were actually in the crew. Yeah, the producer, the director, um, even oh. one of the writers. I mean, it was like. It was like an all-women cast. It was great. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a thing. When, I think when you've got women as showrunners, it really trickles down, right? And it speaks to that way that I think in a very well-intended way, we do tend to hire and or surround ourselves with folks that look like us. And so I understand why guys, men who are producing or directing, are very often looking at other men who look like them and that's who they know that's who their kind of social network is and when you look at the folks who are directing and crewing for Ava DuVernay when you look at the folks who are working for Patty Jenkins you really see that shift and it's exciting and great and you get to build women's community in filmmaking it's a it's a nice time it's nice to see that tide slowly start to shift so what do you think about um let's go into the next movie so for uh, Last Jedi so it seems to me that an awful lot of the additions to the cast are, are women. We got Paige, we got Tally, we got uh, Paige's sister Rose, Rose who's going to yeah. be a main, a big main yeah. character, right? This is my happy sound. <laughs> this is my Rose Tico happy sound. <laughs> but I'm like, you're going to have a Tico sisters with Paige and Rose, you know. Can Paige I say that, those are my Force Friday purchases, by the way. On Were they? Yeah, yeah. This is out. I was like, anything, anything um, Paige and Rose, I am getting. And it was, I was very excited about it. I want to see their relationship because I noticed from the action figures that Paige is the pilot. Yeah. Rose is the technician, right? Yeah. She's a mechanic, right? So. Yeah. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, are they, does, does she like work on her ship? You know, like, is that kind of like their pairing, their team up kind of thing or whatever, you know? Yeah. Is it going to be the new Han and, you know, not like new Han, Han and Chewie almost, you know? Yeah. But in not, Doom, chew, not Chewie form. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think Chewie, Chewie's, I think Chewie's staying with Ray. I think uh, Chewie and Ray are, uh, Ray inherits Chewie is my guess. Yeah, I, I love I go, I love also that Ray and Chewie are kind of sticking with the Falcon, and I also love Chewie's devotion to the co-pilot position on the Falcon. Yeah, uh, and you know, like Chewie has this whole kind of like life debt. I think they've both done. I think they carry that in from the EU as well. That now, like in canon, there's a there's a significant reason why Chewie stays pretty like you know loyal, if you will. Um, and Wookiee camaraderie is clearly like some serious ride or die. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and I'm down with that. Not to bring up the horror that is the um, the Christmas special. 
<laughs> the whole Wookiee family and how Chewie had a family, apparently, oh, you know, but Love he's me. he stays with Han and in now he's staying with Ray. And I know we've discussed on many shows, but just the look that Ray gives and Ray Leia gives Ray, Han gives Ray. Everybody seems to know who Ray is, except us. God, you know. I know. I know. I will just say, for the record, I I never have fan theories. My fan theories suck. Again, I am a scientist. I am a documentarian. I love being an audience member, but I am never going to be the person who says they should have told that story differently because I don't even know <laughs> when, when when the Han um, Kylo reveal happened in the, in the Force Awakens. Like I made a sound. Like I'm sure like half that audience had figured it out by that point, but I was like, no. Yes, <laughs> I am the easiest to surprise person in the world. <laughs> So, so, like, I don't know who the hell Snoke is. Like, who knows? Who could possibly I, have a no, theory about no, this? <laughs> there's so many Snoke theories, yeah. And My I favorite just, is Jar Jar is Snoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who Rey is related to. Although, I'd be happy if there was an Obi-Wan connection, but that's also just because I'm such a huge Obi-Wan fan. Oh, I, I can't wait for the Obi-Wan movie. Ah, so it's such a happy dance. Such and a the happy Han movie, the Han movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm. You know, it's. I think, again... Those of us who went through the roller coaster ride that was that that desert of new material in the '90s, that then capped off with the prequels, which were, I think, a very bitter disappointment for many of the like '70s era Star yeah. Wars fans. I I remember vividly sitting in the theater for The Force Awakens, just being prepared, just being like, I'm not going to get everybody my was right. Like I have been burned, and I I maintain that, but it's also because like I cannot expect my multi-billion dollar global franchise of entertainment to just like, you know, completely resonate, you know, completely aligned with all of the things that I, I want and might not even know that I want. So I, I, I know at some point one of these movies is going to come out and it's going to suck because it's a numbers <laughs> game. It has to. There's gonna, and, it'll, and then, of course, suck is so subjective. It's going to come out and I'm going to be like, wah, wah. But um, I don't know. It also seems like, you know, I think some folks didn't like Rogue One. I don't understand them. Oh, um, I love that. I love that <laughs> like, movie. Rogue One yes. was just like, you know, and I, for so many folks, like, you know, my, my partner, again, like, totally loved them as a kid, like, has, you know, clearly signed on and has become the world's best Star Wars ally by working <laughs> on this project with me. But Rogue One was the film where they really were just like, oh, I love Star Wars. Like, I am totally down with Rogue One. Runs around doing a Saw Gerrera impression in the house. <laughs> Any, anytime I'm getting, like, even slightly upset, are we not friends? <laughs> I love that. My, my dad even did a Saw Gerrera impression once. It was kind of funny. It's hard not to, right? Lies. Well, well, well <laughs> my father has a, um, he's got that condition where he needs to use the, what's called a CPAP. Oh, yes. To sleep at night, you know? That's if, my if, sweetie does the same. That's exactly it. So you get that mask. Yeah. And we were we were out we were out somewhere and we were at a hotel and he walks out of the bathroom with the whole getup on and he's like, I'm like that guy you like in Star Wars. And I'm like, You are and he puts the mask up and takes a breath and I'm like, You're Saw Guerrera. And his name is Bob, so I'm like, You're Bob Guerrera. Oh, 
I mean, it is like the foundation. It's probably not like Rebel Legion approvable, but it is the foundation of anyone's Halloween costume. You just need the you just need the mask and the tubing, not the actual machine. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and can I say, you know, in the whole, I love Rogue One. Um, loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and the whole purpose, you know, it's so funny. Like I have a joke with a friend. That we say, you know, we just keep saying, everybody dies, everybody dies, you know, because, <laughs> and you're like, you realize the whole purpose of this movie is just to get to that, right? and then everybody dies, you know, right. and, you know, I, I've talked to people that go, well, that aren't strong Star Wars fans, but like the movies, and will watch them, they're not totally geeked out about it, and they go, that movie pissed me off. And I yeah. was like, well, why? And they're like, because I got to liking Jin and then she dies. You know, that you know is and how warfare works. It's right. Star Wars. And, yeah. And I said, Star Wars, and well, someone dies sometime, you know, and, and it's funny because I wanted to, you know, I, I you want to like Jin. You know, but Jin came way before Ray, so you're just like my, your mind is going out. You know, yeah, but yeah, right. um, it, it it's just funny to see people's different reactions. You know, like I I constantly have a Star Wars purse. It's either Stormtrooper BB-8, which gets a lot of comments, mm. um, and then currently I'm carrying a backpack that looks like a Rebel uh, fighter uh, pilot backpack. Nice, it's yep. it's a mini one. Um, if you don't know the product, uh, Loungefly. Oh yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So I have a Stormtrooper <laughs> purse, a BB-8, and um, this other one. And people go, oh my gosh. And I see with the backpack, I have not had too many people say anything about it. BB-8. As soon as I put it up on the counter to take out my wallet, which is a Stormtrooper wallet. Uh huh. Um. <laughs> They go, I love your purse. That's adorable. And then I take out the wallet. They're like, dude. And I'm like, I have a purse that matches this. They're like, yes. You know, and they just love. And then they start talking to you about the movie. It doesn't matter who it is, you know. Right. And at some point, I will always have a start. Not not every day, but, you know, eight out of ten times you'll find me in a star wars shirt you know oh, yeah <laughs> um i have bb8 socks r2 socks you know oh, yeah. it, it's you know when i went to the convention that convention like i said i was wearing the ray costume with the bb8 backpack and i had bb8 socks on under my boots Mm-hmm. You know, I was made sure I was all the way there. You know, the and the, the, the thing on my keychain is um, a stormtrooper pop figure. That's I mean, it's a, a lanyard I wear with my keys on it. Uh, it's Star Wars. I mean, oh yeah, flagging I, like seriously flagging Star Wars, right? Right. I have Star Wars throws and Star Wars pillows and R two yeah. pillows and. Uh, I mean, it's either Seahawks or Star Wars. It's how people come in my house are like, wait, what? And I was like, you can deal with it. Shut up. You know, like, I mean, I don't care. You know, it was the same thing when, and people tease me about it, when I, I do have a Twilight collection of things. And Excellent. People, people come in and, you know, they'll, you don't see that because I have it kind of hidden. What? Because all the Star Wars stuff, you know, is in the living area. And they're like, they see the others, of they're like, holy cow. And I said, yes, I have more than one fandom. 
<laughs> you know, but that one obviously is dyed and it has cobwebs in the closet. But you well, know, it's it, 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 Christina. It speaks to what Annalise was saying earlier about how she felt for a little while her Star Wars fandom was sort of locked away because it was a boy thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think you're feeling the same kind of. I mean, do you get what I'm saying? You're kind of the same in the same boat. Right, like now's I, the time where you can break free from all those restraints and just let your geek flag fly. You know, I let it fly for many things. For a while, people were just like, "Well, Christina, can we do something that's not vampires or um, <laughs> Twilight or things like that?" I was like, "I do like other things. You have yet to ask me what those are." Oh yeah. You know, and I, I just sit there. I said, "Once you ask me what they are, I said you're opening up another can of worms." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, now everybody knows about the Star Wars can of worms, but you know, I keep my uh, other one hidden I- I- except for those special people. You know, um just because it's not as cool, you know, but I hold I, on I, to I, it 20 years from now it's going to be so cool. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it all comes back around. When I flew when I flew to Seattle, I had uh, I was wearing, I believe I was wearing a Star Wars shirt. Yes. Um, and I had um, my iPad with a movie on it that had my Seahawks, you know, because that's my football thing. It's Seahawks cover on it. And what movie was I watching on the way to Seattle? Nothing but Twilight. I mean, uh, come on. Like, you know, like, I'm checking all the boxes. These are my it, Exactly, and I had, a Seahawks, I had a Seahawks mouse on, and, you know, it's just like, you know, and I think when, when John saw me, I had my BB-8 backpack with me. I was wearing a Star Wars shirt, <laughs> you know, but I think I brought every Star Wars shirt I had <laughs> while I was there. I'm like, I'm going to be seeing people who, who feel my vibe, you know, who are technically my people, so I can feel comfortable wearing my nerdy attire you know totally i mean if this stuff had been if it had existed in the 70s and 80s period where there wasn't anything being made and my i get into trouble where i have to remind myself that um you know there's going to be star wars merchandise in abundance until the day i die like we're like for the rest of my life now there will be new movies and new merch like in huge abundance and so my sense of like you know oh my god it's something star wars it's like a deer in the woods i must go acquire it it's like no no girl there's gonna be more than enough star wars like you don't need to buy it all now because next week there's gonna be like a whole nother bit and i'm I'm having to train myself out of that like depression era mentality of like wanting to get all of the star wars and like bury it in a you know (laughs) hut beneath my home because we went without anything for so long and then for women in particular to find things that were like clearly made for us and I'm you know I'm not a particularly femi like I'm not a particularly girly girl so like a lot of the her universe stuff and the things that are like the cutest are also not my style um but I was just going to ask about Ashley Eckstein and her stuff because yeah, um, I, I just love it, and I love yeah. her site, and I love that that's all there. And I like I don't I love her. She's an oh, amazing, she's person. amazing person. Um, but then there'll be these things, and occasionally she'll get the stuff that's like you know it's a baseball shirt or like a muscle tee, but it's yes. cut for women, which is what I want. I want this kind of slightly butchy thing that's clearly cut for like you know my my kind of size and figure. And then also, I, I like you, um, Emma, uh, Christina, I'm a terrible um, purse addict. 
Like oh, so, I am. Yes. So many purses. And then all the jewelry, naturally. And then I've got a couple Star Wars tattoos. So I'm at the point now where it doesn't even matter what I'm wearing. The, like, Star Wars ink is there. Yes. <laughs> and- I see. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to set up to get my first Star Wars um, tattoo on the wrist. It's, like, very minimalistic. It looks like a teeny tiny X-Wing and a teeny tiny um, TIE fighter. It looks oh, like yes. someone drew with a... I'm yeah, like, and it has oh. little stars like on the wrist, and uh, that's where I want. I just have to find time to like go every time I think, oh, I'm gonna go. It's like I think about it at like eight o'clock at night, and <laughs> they're not open. Do it like in the morning because that's a that's a nice, easy to like you know that's a that's a quick, easy heel tattoo. Yeah. yeah. It's no colors. It's just little black lines. Yep. But I don't know if you're into finger doing your fingernails or something, but Jamberry, the oh my God. people this who do the. Yes. yes. They have Star Wars wraps that just came out. And the girl who I buy mine from, she goes, she goes, Christina. And she sends it to me. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I have just... already purchased the, the Boba Fett ones. Oh, my gosh. Those the Boba Fett ones were so good. Yeah, I was very excited. I sent them to my mom. I was like, all right, this is this is great. And then you know, my mother and I have gotten to this thing where um, our kind of vacation her horribly expensive vacation every year is that we are getting set in february to go on our third disney day at sea or star wars day at sea disney cruise because it's the best i'm gonna totally just like shill for the disney cruise company that i'm in no way affiliated with now (laughs) like that's that also because you're on a cruise which is kind of like going to vegas where you're like i now get to have a wardrobe that is Things I would never wear on land. Um, <laughs> I will definitely be rocking the nail bling, the, the Star Wars nail wraps and everything else for that. Because that's those, those kinds of environments just call out. <laughs> I love I love that you enjoy this stuff with your mom because it's oh, just yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. My mother was the one who took me to all the movies when I was I a kid. And it. and then when Rogue One came out, um, I mean, she she couldn't go to the theater, but we we when it when I got it on the digital release or whatever i went over to her house and put in my voodoo stick and nice we watched it together and you know it was just like when we were kids you know we had our popcorn and drinks and we just sat there and watched the movie together and and then she started bawling when uh k2so died she's like what's going on i love i love that robot and i'm sitting there going i can't believe she just see she even said the same thing she was like i can't believe that they did it so well that I forgot it was a machine. Yeah. She was like, I was like in tears. She was practically cr- like curled over on the couch in tears. Oh, yeah. And she's like, and then I had to tell myself it was a machine. It was a, like a, the computer, you but know, it like, she's like. It was K2SO, a suspension droid. Yes. I was so much. So much. And then like, she goes, then I was down air pill from there because everybody else died. And she goes, by the end, she was just like. She all her tears had dried up because she just ran out of liquid. You know, she's like, I was crying right? so much. <laughs> yeah, K two was K two was the one you're just like, damn it, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me, I have the hiccups. But um, ah! yeah, you're just like, damn it, you know, because he went and the, you're just like, oh well, this this is gonna go well from here. But um, going back to the nails and the Ashley Eckstein stuff, <laughs> yes. like I I go into hot topic. And just look around going, oh, you know, think geek, scroll through the stuff. Oh, oh you know, uh, you know, but some of it I go, oh, okay, when I wear this. And then there's some that are too girly. 
like I'm girly to a small extent to where it's feminine enough. Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, feminine Christina. enough, but not. I'm not that. They have one Star Wars sweater that's the Rebel um, insignia, and it's peach, and the things are white, and it has ruffles, and I'm like. <gasps> Sorry, but that's cute, but I'm not ever going to wear that, you know? Yeah, I'm allergic to the color pink. Like, I will never wear pink. <laughs> Christina, you need to get yourself a tablespoon of peanut butter, honey. The peanut butter, or I always do it with the peanut butter cup, but that's just because I love peanut butter cups. Peanut butter will get rid of your hiccups. Oh, both really? for Christina's benefit and for your listeners. It is a, it's been, it's the one thing. I that, have like, to try that one. Yeah, just like pop a teaspoon of peanut butter in your mouth. Kind of- my, my cousin and I... As kids, hold our breath. Oh, yeah. Count to 20, quick let it out, do it again, count to 20, and it's gone. And it's like a magic thing. It works every time. That used to work for me fabulously. And then it a little bit stopped, but also on sets, if someone gets the hiccup, either on crew or in front of the camera, it ruins your production day. So you really oh. need, you really need oh, some yeah. hiccup abatement um, technology. And, uh, I like to do it again in peanut butter cup form because then I always have to have peanut butter cups oh, in the yeah. house for medicinal purposes. That's a good idea. But I like that peanut idea. butter also work. <laughs> I think it kind of like it, it creates the right kind of pressure in your esophagus and diaphragm to help kind of calm things down. And my home have remedies, Doctor Annalise Ophelian. <laughs> <laughs> but not, yes, only, not only looking for Leia, but looking for hiccup remedies. Looking for hiccup <laughs> remedies. That that's what you can lead with. That'll be the title of all this. The sto- all the stores run out of. All the stores run out of peanut butter. Speaking of peanut butter, and this is a hair off topic, but I want you two to try it and tell me what you think. Um, I think I mentioned it to John before, but it sounds gross, but it was all the whole spiel that the girl gave as a fitness um, girl that I follow. Um, it was about trying new things. And one was trying just a tad smidge, teaspoon, whatever, of peanut butter with your eggs or on your eggs, however you eat them. Mm. And so I made scrambled eggs. You know, I don't put milk or anything in it, just a little salt and pepper. And I take the teaspoon and spread it on. And it is, it sounds disgusting, but it melts. It is the most amazing combo to me. Now, I've had other people try it and say it wasn't their thing. But it's something about the protein and the uh, the healthy fat of the peanut butter because you're not using that much. And if you do organic or whatever, it's better. But it's amazing. So okay. if you want to try, and all the listeners, if you try it and however you eat it, let me know what your thoughts are because she suggested it and I gave feedback. And I think it's the most oddest combination but like I had it today, and my body is just very happy, happy, happy. So I'm excited, like eggs and peanut sauce, really. And peanut sauce is, you know, <laughs> a delicious true. thing in many savory applications. So all right, I'll give. Yeah, it a you try. can, and you can give give everybody your Twitter, Christina, so they can tell you if they try it. <laughs> because I, you know, I don't know. I, well, I think it's good that you actually got your name. Not many people can say that. That's true. It's true, like, actually. I have to say John's name backwards to remember his original Twitter. Well, yeah, my original one's Smatanaj, my John Adams backwards. Smatanaj, nice. Yeah, Smatanaj. I kind of like that name. I, ha- I just have to say Smat, and then I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Twitter and everything, let's before we wrap up, where can everybody follow you and find you, Annalise? Where can they 
Besides the website, we know LookingForLeia.com. You can find yeah. us on both Twitter and Instagram at Leia Fangirl Film, all one word, Leia Fangirl Film. Um, the Twitter account is possibly more active than our Instagram because I feel a little too old for Instagram and it is difficult for me, but we get there. <laughs> um, and then if folks want to connect with me, I'm off of our um, Twitter page there, but I'm also Dr. Underscore Ophelian. Um, fastest way to get to me is through at Leia Fangirl Film. And again, lookingforleia.com if you want to see the trailer that we're talking about um, and read up on any of the any of the goodness that we're working on. We just got our, our press kit and some stills up there. We're we're making a movie. We're getting it we're getting it done. Yeah. I followed I went ahead and followed because that's Excellent. awesome. It's a new Twitter account. We really just got our social media online in March. So we we are very grateful for, for followers at this point as well because we're we're tiny little social media babies. <laughs> and we're trying to, to grow up our, our presence so that we can let folks know what we're up to. That's cool. Well, I love it. I love I love the different things that you post. I love seeing the stuff that you've created for the movie and also the things that you've given away to people who've donated. I love seeing when they get the package in the mail and they're like, look what I got. This is so I cool. Those <laughs> were so good at taking these like beautiful little pictures of all, yeah. of, you know, looking at Star Wars merch all the time, which is fantastic. They're so excited to get it too, you know. It's, it's just that little added perk of, of helping to donate and help you guys along, you know. You know, we love being able to, to share all of that. And of course, Star Wars folks, we know what it's like to have a little bit of like fan created art or aesthetics, a pin, a sticker. It's really fun to be able to, again, flag your love for the project, flag your uh, love with the fandom we'll have to come up with a porg that's wearing a uh, looking for leia t-shirt or something right right i mean we've got <laughs> is there a t-shirt because no <laughs> i don't have a porg size t-shirt um although one of our larger ones might fit the like target giveaway porg which was all over my twitter feed um, <laughs> folks who won that on the at the thursday at midnight um force friday yeah. festivities yeah. but we do have looking for leia pins and i would be really delighted to hook some porg owner up with a pin if they wanted their their porg to sport a looking for Yeah, there's it. a couple of good stuffed animal porgs that are that almost could could be life size. We don't know yet, but we don't know, right? Yeah, yeah. we've only seen little bits and pieces. But uh, yeah, I mean, this has been great, Annalise. Thank you so much for joining us and talking Star Wars today. Oh, thank you so much. It was really a treat being on. And uh, yeah, I wish you well. I really am rooting for this project. I can't wait to watch the film. Do you have any idea where it's going to come out? Like, how are you going to release it yet? Or you, have you I, not really got that far? We we were not quite there yet, but we're hoping to wrap up our primary filming this year and be in assembly and post-production in early 2018. We'll probably do some pickup shoots, and then it'll be a matter of, like, where it will fit best on the festival circuit or if we're able to get um, some video on-demand distribution without necessarily doing too much festival work. So yeah, cause, within uh, next year, we'll be able to give folks many more updates about that. I noticed that somehow the guys who did Plastic Galaxy, is that what it's called? Where they went back and reminisced about all the toys? Like, somehow they got on Netflix. So I was like, ooh, you know, what if you guys can get on that? That'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's that definitely the goal. And I think that's what films are really, you know, things like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon are so spectacular for being able to connect audience with media. Yeah. Um, Particularly for documentary, very few documentaries get sort of broad theatrical runs. Yeah. So the way to connect with them really is in their homes. And so we would we would love that. Um, that's our, our kind of primary distribution goal at this point. And if you do end up at any film festival in Florida, let me know. Cause I, Absolutely. Um, in like, 
end of March, I had to move from Seattle to Florida. So Ooh. I'm now down here living with my father. So yeah, that's a that's a um, geographical shift. Yes, massive. <laughs> yeah, big shift. Big shift. And I, from I'm one still coast not used to the other. I'm still not used to the weather either because it's like so hot down here. I'm yeah. dying. Yeah, seriously. We were out. We were. We, we drove up to Georgia. Well, it was the Georgia North South Carolina border. It was right where all three of those states kind of come together. And we were in this little town called Dillard, but it was like 90 degrees. And my dad's sitting there and he's like, you've drank like 10 bottles of water and like five Gatorades. He's like, and you, you've only gone to the bathroom once. What's wrong? And I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> I can't, I'm sweating. I can't handle this. My heat. organs are shutting down. <laughs> I'm like, That's why I have to drink so much. I'm just dying. <laughs> so I'm so not used to the weather yet. It's the mugginess, I think. I don't know. Yeah. The sun and the muggy, right? Right, right. Well, but you're closer-ish to Disney World. so That's true, you know, yes. You got that. He's you got really that. been pushing. He keeps, like, going online. He's like, look, for $230, you can get a year pass. You just can't go on a Friday or Saturday. You can go any other day of the week. And he goes, so you you might want this. And you can go to Disney anytime you want. Here, here. <laughs> I'm like, uh, if you buy it for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right seriously. now I don't have $200. <laughs> no, but it, it has been really wonderful getting to chat with the both of you. And we'd love to uh, keep you posted on the project and make sure you've got the updates so you know where, uh, where we're at in production and when folks will be able to see more of the film. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Thank you so much for joining I us. I can't wait. Thank you both. May the force be with you. Yes, may the force be with you. Always. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Autobots, roll out! Oh! Hey, you've been listening to the Super Awesome Geek Show podcast. Find us on Twitter at Awesome Geek Show, Instagram, and Facebook at Super Awesome Geek Show. And as always, thanks a lot for tagging along. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. And we'll see you next time on the Super Awesome Geek Show. Yo, Joe!